Welcome to a night of total terror. Hello and welcome to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, Episode 6, The Blair Witch Project. The Undead Wookiee is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on sci-fi and horror. However, there will be times where we dip into other genres because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Now, before we dive into our feature review of The Blair Witch Project, uh, I want to give a... uh, a brief review of a short film called Feed the Black. Now, this is a short film that comes to us from the Suspiric Noir guys. And now I mentioned them on the last podcast after meeting them at uh, Bristol Horicon. Uh, there I was able to see the trailer for the film uh, Meet the, Feed the Black. And it absolutely blew me away. So I was really, really keen to cover it. Now, I've been fortunate enough to be able to see this film. Um, it's directed by Clayton Dean, and it stars Tyler Berry, and you're going to have to forgive me if I get the first name wrong, but Maurice Ambershine. Um, and I really, really love this film. Um, so I want to give a quick sort of, a quick sort of uh, review of this. Now, it's a very, very dark film. Um, I can't give too much away because it being a short film, if I delve too much in the plot, I think it'll give away sort of um, some of the power of the film. And it's um, it's a very clever piece. Uh, it touches on folk horror. There's touches of surrealism in there. Um, but it really draws you in. And I was very, very impressed by this film especially by the performance of Tyler um, Tyler Berry in the lead. I thought she was very, very brave. Um, the film has no dialogue or very limited dialogue. Um, and music and soundscape play a huge part in that film. And also the visual of the film is very, very strong. Um, it has a great opening. Uh, it has a, you know, it's a very bold choice. For the opening of a film, um, it has a sort of almost like a evil Paul McKenna vibe. Um, it's it sort of helps create this sort of dreamlike feel that the film has, um, and that sort of that dream very much quickly progresses into into a fairly dark nightmare. Now, like I said, it's got a great use of music. Uh, in particularly, there's a piece that's played in there, uh, the sort of hurdy-gurdy track, I'm going to call it. Um, and this was incredibly haunting. Very, very haunting. And like I said, the soundscape for this film really draws you in and gives it a really nice creepy vibe. Um, the film is split into five different sections, each section getting progressively darker. Um, like I said, it has that sort of this lovely contrast of folk horror with urban grit. You have the floaty, ethereal sort of folk horror type vibe. To it. it does sort of have the vibe of sort of blood on Satan's claw a little bit um, and possibly a touch of a little bit of the devil rides out. Um, but you get this sort of the 
lead character, uh, played by uh, played by Tyler, is um, almost you, you almost get this sort of like ghost like walking the landscape. Um, it's very 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 strong. It's 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 clever. It's very clever. I I did like the use of the sound, the way it was shot. Um, again. I'll keep saying the word clever because I do think it's a very clever film. I think the musical components um, combined with the imaging create... It almost has the feel of a really good sort of uh, concept album. Now, I know concept album has become a bit of a sort of... Um, a bit of a scoffed at phrase, but actually um, there were touches in there I could feel of sort of... You know, when you listen to the music in particular, you can sort of sense that sort of almost touches of the sort of the bass riff from Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds is on there, that sort of creeping type uh, vibe to it. Um, again, a very, very strong performance by the lead who, you know, pretty much has to carry this piece. It's it's very impressive. Um, now, I will say it's not one if you are, <laughs> if you suffer from photosensitive epilepsy, there is a lot of flashing lights, uh, strobe effect in it. Um, I love the ending. Uh, really, really love the ending to it. I love that type of ending. It and again, it really evokes that classic nineteen seventies folk horror vibe. Um, like I said at the beginning, it's written and directed by Clayton D. Um, and the lead actress in it is Tyler Berry. Now you can I watch this via Vimeo. Um. And I'm very, very. It, it is. A, you can watch the trailer for free. However, you do have. It is available on the on the uh, on-demand service. But one thing I will say is, see it, watch it, support these guys. They have some really, really good stuff in there, and they're certainly ones to keep an eye out for in the future. Okay, so now is the time for our feature review. Of 1999's The Blair Witch Project.
That was the trailer for The Blair Witch Project. Now, this film was released in 1999. It was written and directed by Daniel Merrick, Eduardo Sanchez. Um, it stars Heather Donahue as Heather. It stars Joshua Leonard as Josh. And Michael Williams as Mikey. Now, the plot is a fairly basic plot. You have three film students who venture into the Maryland forest to film a documentary on the local legend, The Blair Witch. However, things soon go wrong, and Heather, Josh, and Mike are never seen again. The only trace that can be found of them is the footage that they left behind. Now, this film was shot over eight days on location in the Seneca Creek Stake Park. Now, The Blair Witch has gone on to become, in my humble opinion anyway, the founding father of the modern found footage film. Now, yes, uh, found footage is not a new convention. I mean, and there have been uh, found footage films before the Blair Witch Project. And I mean, you can even go back into literature and look at books like Dracula, like Frankenstein, and even my personal favourite, H.P. Lovecraft, um, and particularly the story The Call of Cthulhu, where they use the sort of uh, convention of somebody's diary. Um, but, you know, So you can imagine you've just discovered this piece of text. Now... Lots of people cite 1980s Cannibal Holocaust as the first real found footage film. Now, I'm sure there will be someone far cleverer than I who is able to cite that there was a found footage film before that. But um, I always use uh, Cannibal Holocaust as my sort of main reference point when it comes to the found footage genre. But the one thing I think that separates the sort of found footage films before Blair Witch and after is that the Blair Witch project really set the standards and has laid out the conventions that the majority of films now, found footage films now follow. Um... That's not to say that The Blair Witch is a perfect film. Uh, I think it's fair to say that I tend to lean on the side of not being a massive fan of this film. But we'll come on to that bit a bit later on. Um, so let's start with what works. Well, I think the, the premise and the execution of the film um, is superb. I think the way in which uh, Merrick and Sanchez sort of orchestrate the film and orchestrate the actors is outstanding um you know things like the the fact that the actors were just simply left clues as to where they had to get to the next day when they were out in the woods um they were then given sort of individual instructions to help them uh with the improvisation for the next day's filming um now that said I do feel like that sort of heavily improvised approach um, does become a bit of a problem with some of the performances. Um, I think it sort of then becomes, for me, it becomes a major weakness within the film. Um, 
But one of the things that I do really appreciate, um, particularly with the actors, is their characterizations. I think they are particularly strong. Um, <laughs> it's interesting that when you look at the character of Heather, um, anybody who spent a little bit of time around film students can recognize her um, in sort of a number of up-and-coming or wannabe filmmakers. Her exuberance, that sort of, um, I'm I'm a filmmaker, damn it, and even though I'm making a documentary, you are going to hear my voice throughout. Um, but which I think is a really, really, you know, is a clever characterization. It doesn't make her a particularly likable character. I don't think any of the characters in this film are particularly likable. Um, but one of the things that I also, like going back to the sort of, the that Merrick and Sanchez are orchestrating this film, is that they led the actors to believe um, that the Blair Witch was a real legend. And it was only after filming was complete, completed and released that the, um, that the lead actors actually uh, found out that it was all made up by the writers. Now, it's that attention to detail, and I'll come on to the attention to detail that's paid to setting up the legend and creating that legend is a major major strong point for this film i think it is a it's an excellent touch i also like the touch that to sort of help the actors get that really sort of edgy um grumpy fed up feeling with each other is that each day they were given less food so you know sleep deprived tired dirty having to sleep out in the woods i mean that's that's that is commitment to the to the to the role um and then progressively be given less food um again um i think it's very very insightful um on the filmmaker's part actually to do this to take this sort of real real physical hands-on approach to helping the actors with their improvisation, to help them with their characterization, And you can see that it pays off. And as the film goes on, you can see the, the actors progressively degenerating as they go through it. Um, I also love how the film slowly ramps up the tension. It increases bit by bit. Now, the film for me really, really kicks into gear in terms of genuine terror is and this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler alert is when josh disappears and of course we have to touch on the ending but we'll come to that in a little bit now the reason why i'll come on to that in a little bit is because if anybody um who hasn't seen this film stop the podcast right now go and watch it um because the ending to this film is the key, I think, to um, the entire film. I think that when you talk about the Blair Witch with anyone, they always go, oh my God, the ending. Everybody talks about that. I think it is immensely, immensely powerful, incredibly haunting, um, and it's still sort of watching it today. And I've seen the film a number of times and rewatching it recently. I don't think that it loses 
any of its power. Um, it's it is. I think it's it, it can be sort of almost seen as sort of terror in its purest form. It can sort of trans. It sort of takes that audience. Uh, it takes the audience into that sort of childlike terror those things that sort of really really frighten you as a kid and it sort of really touches on a on a sort of on a on a real base nerve i think it's um that ending wow yeah i'm thinking about it now it's just it, it, it's giving me goosebumps um but more importantly i think what that ending does it can sh- it really shows off the power of found footage as a convention i think through the cinematic convention you can gain entrance into the world of the blair witch and you are like i mean i certainly um as a as the viewer felt a real palpable fear and i think it is only through that sort of in this particular instance anyway um and particularly with this film and the type of film it is that sort of genuine raw terror and i think that is something that is executed perfectly in this film now for me what didn't work okay we can go back and look at the characterizations at times i feel like you're watching a piece of a level improvisation that's not to say that the performances and the characters don't work because i think they really really do work uh like i said whenever when right you know just a couple of minutes ago when you look at uh the character of heather you recognize that student filmmaker desperate desperate to be the next um the next michael moore i suppose because you know just as irritating that sort of i am i am i am going to be this great auteur I am going to start with documentaries and you are going to hear my voice. This is my film. I'm going to get it shot no matter what I have to do. Even if I have to kill the other two in the process, I will drag them out in the woods. I have not planned this, thought about this in any way, shape or form. I've got some equipment. I've got two people. I've got two able bodies who are going to help me do it and I'm going to go for it. Um, I do think that the two blokes in it i think mike and josh are the weaker elements in it i do think that their performances lack more so than heather donahue's um and for me what really really sort of bogs this film down is the amount of arguing that goes on between the characters it goes on and it goes on and it goes on and yes, you get a couple of really funny moments in it. You know, the moment, you know, the the business with the map being kicked away and being lost and that back and forth. But it just keeps going and going and going. And I find that a little bit tedious. And I think it detracts from what the build, the build up to the, you know, the tension in the film. It t- sort of takes it away somewhat. Now, one of the things that I find is that for every great scene you get in it, it's kind of undone a little bit by those sort of A-level moments, I'm going to call them. That sort of the back and forth, the improv, the not fully thought out um, 
how the characters are going to move going to move this forward what they're going to do they kind of fall back on the bickering um of course it wouldn't be a review with the Blair Witch if we didn't talk about um Heather Donahue's uh monologue director camera um who apologizing to the families um of her colleagues that she's dragged out there um it is now a piece of cinema history it is a very very good piece of acting um but like i said to get to that point you gotta sit through some pretty tedious moments um and that's something that i have found particularly um i found it particularly hard to get through the other piece that doesn't work for me and this is one of my pet hates is shaky cam yes this is my biggest gripe for the entire film i hate shaky cam i genuinely hate shaky cam i hate shaky cam with a vengeance um i can see and i can understand why filmmakers do it but if you do it every single time something frightening or something dramatic happens it kills the impact of that moment and that's just my personal opinion um but because you have you as an as an audience member are looking at this and then all of a sudden the camera's bouncing up and down and going everywhere it takes you out of that because your eyes are trying to adjust to what's going on there yes i can see sometimes that it's um you're trying to create that element of confusion, that element of terror. But I think it's overdone. Now, so any filmmakers or budding filmmakers listening, please stop shaking the bloody camera. This is this this is a little bit of a side note for me. Uh, um and probably a little bit of a rant that sort of almost grinds my gears moment, but I love action films. I particularly love martial arts films. Now, the second you start shaking the camera, it completely undoes all the hard work that your fight choreographer has put together. Completely undoes it. Now, Rob Zombie's 31. Love him or loathe him? Um, that's for another show. Uh, Mr. Alex Stevens has some very, very interesting uh, <laughs> opinions on Mr. Zombie. Um, personally, I'm a big fan. I like his music. I like his films. However, I recently uh, watched uh, 31. And I got to be honest with you guys, it nearly made me sick. The amount of shaky cam that was going on in that film. Anytime there was any kind of action, the camera was bouncing all over the place. And it completely killed the film for me um it could it it took me out it takes me out to the scene um you know it's almost as bad as having tom arnold uh pop up in your film anyway back to uh back to the subject at hand though the blair witch was really one of the first films to effectively use mass viral marketing and the attention to detail 
um, is an element to this film that I absolutely love. Um, I love the fact that the uh, that the actors were listed on IMDb as uh, missing, um, <laughs> and then at the Cannes Film Festival, the actors. Um, Faces were placed on a sort of missing poster and the directors went out and handed these flyers around. Um, This film was, I think, so successful was because of the marketing campaign. Um, And I mean, (laughs) interesting piece of trivia, Heather Donahue's mother actually received uh, condolence cards and commiseration cards from friends and relatives who thought that she'd gone they thought that she was missing and that she was dead um it is something that has been often they've i think people have tried to replicate this approach um but i don't think it's ever been done better i think the closest that anybody has ever come to this sort of approach of the most scary scary film that you know that's out there the most terrifying cinematic experience was probably paranormal activity um but what the filmmakers did was they tied in the marketing with people like the Sci-Fi Channel, where they released the mockumentary The uh, The Curse of the Blair Witch. Um, on their website, they had some um, really low-budget trailers, and some of them, are, they're still on then. They're still on there now. You can actually go onto the original Blair Witch uh, website. It's been altered and it's been updated um, quite a bit. But when you look at some of those original low-budget trailers, they are really chilling. They are really frightening. Um, But the bulk of the advertising for this film, the bulk of this marketing, was done via the Sci-Fi Channel. And it was done um, sort of and aimed particularly at that sort of university and college age group. Now, what the film... Uh, company did which i also thought was um, very very clever um was they took out um a full page ad in um the variety magazine the week before uh, the film was released and all they did was on that advert it simply noted the website and the number of hits that it had and this is one of the first sort of call to action um web advert slash uh, sort of advertising campaign now here's the thing all the build up the detail placed on the website the the mockumentary um the legend building the lo-fi trailers all the all of this is done to, to help sort of build that audience's expectation so that they think one, this could be real. And a number of people did uh, think that this film was real. I remember being in university at the time and I remember speaking to people and they genuinely thought this was this was some kind of snuff film. They thought that they were going to go to the cinema and they were going to see people who were killed. Um, the second thing is they create this atmosphere where people are think that, yeah, I'm going to go in there and I am about to witness the most terrifying film ever now that's a hugely powerful uh powerful tool to have uh at your disposal particularly when the audience genuinely buy into it and here's the thing the third and final thing for this 
is that the film only opened on 27 screens in the US when it first opened. It was 27 screens. Therefore, the, what, the, what, the, what they did was they created a, a sort of, oh my God, you need to go and see this film. They create this atmosphere. This is the, the most terrifying film that you've, you were ever going to experience. You know, is this real? Is this not real? Then they released it out on 27 screens, which helped create this, you can't miss out on this atmosphere. You can't miss this film. But what they did was they created a very, very limited supply. It's absolute genius. You get people clambering to come and see this film. The most terrifying cinematic experience ever, but it's only on 27 screens. So, what are my final thoughts on The Blair Witch Project? Well, is this a great film, or is it a very clever film that, without the superb marketing campaign, could, in my honest opinion, would have most likely been relegated to the world of and i hate to use this word um and this phrase but i'm going to check it in there anyway it would have fallen into that category of the cult classic i personally believe it is um, a very clever film with some excellent moments in it with a sublime marketing and advertising campaign behind it and if it didn't have those things behind it, I don't think this film would have been as successful as it is now and is given the status that it is now. So what's my personal score on The Blair Witch Project? Well, I think the film is a 7 out of 10. Um, but I do think it does have its place in cinema history. And I think the revolutionary marketing campaign behind it um and i think because of this and the creation of the modern found footage film um i would think that anybody who has a genuine interest in film and in cinema and the history of film and in cinema need to own this film now before we finish this episode up um i just want to give a bit of a rundown of a recent live event that i went to uh, all tied in obviously with uh, halloween and that was the X Scream that uh, took place in the Ron the Heritage Park. Now, this was a, a live interactive horror event, um, sort of a, a sprint chase through parts uh, of the mine and through the museum. And uh, it was a great event. Uh, it was really, really, really well attended. Um, the staff involved there and the actors involved um, really got themselves into it and got into character. And the basic plot behind the uh, the sort of um, the situation that you sort of find yourself thrust into was this. After discovering some intriguing ancient documents and artifacts at the historic Ronda Heritage Park site, it appears most have been exposed to more than just the ancient relics. Staff and visitors alike have gone missing and there are traces of blood everywhere. Now the screaming has started. Crack military group SWT have sealed off the site due to the growing viral situation. Um, so what you're going to hear now is uh, a sort of recording of before the event and then um, a brief recording of after the event. So uh, I'm going to play that for you now. Hope you enjoy it. And then we'll have a quick chat about it in a second. 
Hello, and here we are at Xcream. It is Xcream, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I am joined by, and I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass you round so everybody can introduce themselves so they can feel like total twats when they're introducing themselves. So, of course, I am Hugh Lloyd, and I am the host of the Undead Wookiee. And next to me, I have... Chris Edwards. Liam Jones. Di Cullyford. Stuart Reese, Sean Hazel. Okay, so we're here now. Uh, a few drinks have been consumed for a bit of Dutch courage before we end up shitting ourselves. Uh, it's been quite worrying because we've all been told to bring a change of clothes. Um, I've actually included spare underwear as well. So, <laughs> I don't know if you can see that, but Stu is actually wearing... My brown trousers. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what we get. Now, at this moment in time, everybody's laughing and smiling. We may come out with some sort of dead-eyed look. PTSD. PTSD. Um, so, come on in, Chris. You organise this. What are we expecting tonight? Well, I'm looking forward to a bit of realism, I think. The events we've done in the past have been a bit of a, bit of a letdown, people breaking character, but I think with being in the mines and having the claustrophobia of it all, and uh, the, well, generally the attitude so far has been quite, uh, quite full on, so I think it should be uh, entertaining. They seem to be taking this a lot more seriously yeah. than the last one we'd done together. Um, there seems to be some sort of storyline set up, but I can't really tell yet, which is great, because in my head right now I'm thinking, we're all out in a party, and then boom, there's, the zombie apocalypse is going to happen, and then, yeah. so, like, just in a movie, basically. I'm quite excited, because it's got a bit of a Day of the Dead feel, it's got a bit of George Romero, sort of, nice, Liam has gone full commando. Um, let me rephrase that. Oh, <laughs> let me rephrase that. He's got to pay his way somehow. <laughs> So, Sean, come on, you're a man of horror. What are we expecting today? Um, I'm hoping for a lot of guts and gore, something, a lot of jumpy scares, and hopefully nobody will tell me off if I swear my tits off when someone jumps out dummy. So, yeah, that's my plan. Liam, you're, you're another man of horror. What are we looking for today? Well, I'm looking for some good scares, looking for... Oh, well, looking for shut up, Stu. Look, <laughs> <laughs> We're not edit. By the way, we don't edit on the Undead Wookiee. Everything goes, so... Oh, wonderful. Well, looking for it to be proper immersive, looking for a proper running storyline. Like I want to feel part of a story. Liam, wanna... Should you tell everyone what your real name is, by the way? Oh, yeah, based on the previous zombie run. Come on, Liam. Oh, yeah, a couple of years ago we did a, um, a zombie run in Aberdeer, and I was my nickname for the day was Bait, because that, <laughs> that was my allocated part. <laughs> so, uh, you're joining the team. Is this your first time out with us? Because this is my first time, as I've missed the last couple of zombie runs. Where are we at with this? Is this, first time uh, this is my first zombie run, yeah. I will probably be trying to restrain myself and not sprint through it. <laughs> I've, I've gone for light clothing, as then I will be a lot quicker. <laughs> and I'm going to be shitting myself by the end of it. I mean, the golden rule of the zombie apocalypse is you don't have to be the fastest. You just need to be faster than the person next to you. So we're all G'd up. We're all looking forward to this. Uh, what we'll do is, when we've been through it all and we're fairly traumatised, we'll come back and give a bit of feedback at the end. Thank you very much. Right, so that was the first uh, part of our live feed. Um, I, mean, I do, if the sound is a little bit, um, a little bit shaky, um, it's because it's the first time I've ever used any kind of uh, recording equipment uh, outside. But um, as you can tell by our voice, there's a little bit of nerves uh, about to set in as we, myself and my band of intrepid warriors, uh, set off on our little adventure. Uh, now the build-up to the actual um, 
the actual start of I don't know the race, the run, um, the genuine, absolute, abject terror that we felt um, was quite palpable, and it was great fun. So what I'm going to play you now is the recording of what happened, how, of how we all felt directly after. So literally, this is recorded not. 30 seconds um, after we've come out. So here it is. Oh, that was so much fun. Okay, we've, uh, we've literally just come out of there. Um, now, um, we've realised in times of pressure, none of us can work a door. <laughs> um, oh, we got there in the end. We got there. Right then, guys, quick thoughts. We're going to go around the circle. Quick thoughts on that one then. So, Sean? Yeah, that was absolutely terrifying. And in times of crisis, don't trust me to stay in a line with other people <laughs> because I will get scared and run away. <laughs> Die, here we go. Well, that was intense. My heart is beating about a ten to the dozen year, but absolutely fantastic. Yeah, intense. I screamed like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liam has got a PTSD, PTSD post-traumatic uh, trauma here going on. Liam's infected. Jesus. Well. <laughs> <laughs> like, all I can say is an aliens game over, man. <laughs> <laughs> Big Stu, what have we got? Uh, a lot of it did actually take part in tents. Um, <laughs> um, I found out a lot about myself as a human that I would willingly push friends aside in time. Yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah, really, thank you for that. We're alive at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. so and you're if you're in a zombie apocalypse with hair, work on your cardio. Yeah. <laughs> right, key, 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 things to remember, key things to remember. Cardio and how to work a door. Yeah. <laughs> doors can be pushed. They do not show the doors in the film. Yeah. They say go for the head, but cardio and doors. Yeah. <laughs> Excellently acted by everyone. No, yeah. superb. Yeah. Did a proper scenario going. It was amazing. The hoods were a revelation. That was just sensory deprivation. Yeah. Really, really good, guys. Um, everybody's exceptionally committed to their parts within this. Um, very, very, very. Uh, 28 days later, absolutely impressed. Loved it. Um, however, the guy standing there with the M16 really, really needs to make sure that he's got his hands on the the proper part of it, the, the, the actual grip, not the trigger mechanism, because if he'd fired it, he would have taken his fingers out of it. So, um, but very, very impressed. Knackered. Sweating like some kind of farmyard animal. But no, X-Cream, total success. Loved it. Excellent. Final thoughts, guys. Final thoughts. Let's, let's I want to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it again. Yeah. Do it again. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. I, mean, I, I was disappointed we'd finished already. Yeah. I was disappointed how short it was. So I want to go again. Yeah. So there we are, guys. That is uh, the Undead Wookiee. And uh, we actually haven't got a team name. So what, is, what, what would be the team name? The Set of Bastards. The Set of Bastards at Hex Scream. So thank you very much, guys. Catch up with you in a bit. So that was... Um, <laughs> the extreme experience ladies and gentlemen if you ever ever get the opportunity to go to one of the halloween events that they run at the ronda heritage park or even at the dare valley country park in Aberdeer, you do need to go because the effort that is put in by the staff is second to none and in terms of a great horror experience um, I don't think you're going to get much better than uh, what we went through there. It was a lot of fun. Um, I can honestly now say that I know what it's like to be chased um, with somebody wielding a chainsaw. Um, I'd like to be able to think, I've always liked to think that during the zombie apocalypse, 
that I would be able to keep my head and that I would be somebody that you'd want in your corner. Actually, it turns out I'm the exact opposite. You wouldn't want me in the corner because I can't even work a door in times of panic. So <laughs> um, that just about wraps up this episode. So this is episode six of The Undead Wookiee. As always, I would like to say a enormous thank you to everyone who has subscribed to the YouTube channel, to everybody who has tweeted um, and retweeted and liked and, more importantly, put up with my voice on this episode, just because it's just me. Um, we should have lined up for the next episode. Um, Leighton Winston's going to be back with us, and we're going to be looking at... John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China. I'm very, very, very excited to be covering that because it is one of my all-time favourite films. Um, as always, I want to do a couple of shout-outs. I want to give a big shout-out to my man Blake at Spivey Point on Twitter. You can follow him at Spivey Point on Twitter. Um, great guy. Uh, very clever. Loves. Big, big fan of all things horror and horror-related. Always interesting tweets. So, guys, if you're looking for somebody to follow on Twitter, get yourself over and give my man a, a shout-out on there. Also, I want to say thank you to Dr. Shock himself, Dave Becker, DVD Infatuation. Thank you for the retweets. Thank you for the support and the likes. Really, really, I'm a massive fan of your work, and I appreciate everything uh, that you've done on uh, on the old Twitter account for us. Um, I also want to say, as always, get yourselves over and listen to the Horror Movie Podcast um, and get yourselves over then to the Land of the Creeps podcast. Guys, you need to go and listen to these. If you're fans of the horror genre and you don't already listen to Land of the Creeps with Gregor Mortis and his crew or Horror Movie Podcast with Jay of the Dead and uh, Josh Laguerre and Dr. Shock, Get yourselves over there now because these guys are outstanding. It is a brilliant, brilliant listen. And, of course, um, if you're interested in anything from the Suspiric Noir guys, you can follow the, you can get over and follow them on their website, which is suspiricnoir.com. Also, um, I want to give a little bit of a shout-out to the guys over at the Zombie with a Shotgun. Um, I know at the moment they're looking for some crowdfunding to finish off their project. Guys, get yourselves over, check out what they're doing, and if you're looking to invest in something, I couldn't think of a better project. Well, that is pretty much uh, me done. Um, I want to say thank you all for listening, and in the immortal words of Count Duckula, good night out there, whatever you are. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.